Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. SA here, five months working on my individual recovery, 12-step CSAT, doing good. But the bottom line is I've discovered that when my partner has episodes of pain or sadness or anger, the betrayal and expresses herself, my fear paralyzes me and I don't know what to do in the moment to support her. I want to validate her feelings and help her and I'm desperate to learn how. So what are your advices? I And just you know, tell me, did you give some feedback to this question or have you not? I did. I did. So, so okay. I briefly said, um, I've got no, I, got, I, um, I briefly said, um, yeah, no, I briefly said that, you know, planning ahead, like, you know, this is going to happen. And then I shared like Eddie Caparucci does a great job of talking about this specifically on, on the webinars, which are posted on the sex and relationship healing.com, but it's, you know, not letting his fear, I'm saying his, um, overtake her emotional, I mean, she's entitled to that and his fear can, um, can take more presence than, than her emotional. Um, uh, so, so, but, yeah. but having a plan, it's like, what do I need to do to stay grounded in this moment? Be curious, know what's going to happen. So what can I do in that moment? Ask her in advance, like what in those moments, what can I do, you know, so that I have a plan and then I can follow that plan. So that's however else you do not need me at all. You do not <laughs> yes, need do. at all. So let me drop a couple of quick things in there. I agree with Tammy. I'm not sure if exactly what she was saying, but I would let her know in advance. Like when you're not in an argument, when you're not in, when you're just sitting and chatting, say, you know, I really need to tell you something. I have a hard, I don't want you to think this is because I don't want to hear what you hear. Let me say positive. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to listen to you. I really do want to understand my part. And I want you to know that sometimes when you turn to me, you get angry, I just shut down. That's what I do. I'm so sorry. It's not about you. It's my stuff. So, you know, there are a couple of things you can do with that. Number one, I wrote a book called Out of the Doghouse, a relationship saving mm -hmm. guide for men caught cheating. And while I make 10 cents when I sell a book, I deliberately went in there and I said, this is how you say things to a hurt person. This is what you don't say. This is what you do say. It's about men who've cheated on women because we don't always know how to make that better. So honestly, I think it's worth a reading because if it may also be you don't know exactly what to do. You know, am I supposed to make their, am I supposed to say I'm sorry? Am I supposed to answer the question? Am I, what am I supposed to do? And, and that's the reason I wrote the book is because I want you to understand what you can and cannot say. And I, and also there is a course that we created on out of the dog house for people struggling with it this. It starts Wednesday. And it starts Wednesday. And, uh, and honestly, we're not here to sell anything. I mean, if we do, we're doing okay. But I really think the opportunity to learn from, the kinds of things that I've worked on that we've been able to pass through the organization, it's worth it. You will learn so much about how to more kindly and reflectively help your spouse believe that you do understand. Um, there is one more thing, which is as a sex addict and working with as many people as I do have this issue, universally, we have trouble being assertive. Um, uh, those of us who sexually act out in the way we do, and I don't know why, um, I, I do know why it's because of what we grew up with. But what I can tell you is, is that if assertive people, if you get me angry, I don't go have sex with a stranger. <laughs> I direct, I direct my upset to you. 
So by nature, the fact that we act out our feelings rather than being direct about them says that we have a problem with this. Um, this is also a couples therapy issue, and I don't know if Tammy mentioned that, but you know, you this is a great thing to sit. This is what couples therapy is for, which is I say this and then you say that, and then they work on it right in the moment. So they're sitting there objectively able to give you feedback. So I would read Doghouse. I would take the course. I would, if you need a couples therapist, Tammy makes great recommendations and tell your spouse that you have this problem. So they don't just think you're ignoring them. Let them in uh, before it happens. Okay. Those all my answers. Great. Okay. Next one. As part of our uh, recovery plan, addicts drop actions that they can take to mitigate triggers and not allow behaviors to escalate to acting out. Would it be advantageous for betrayed partners to do something similar to assist them in managing their triggers? Uh, no, <laughs> I do not think so. Can you imagine saying, okay, Tim, I'm gonna ask you to be a betrayed spouse for a moment. So if you don't mind, so here's my yeah. sex plan and here are the things that I can do and can't do. And I'd like your feedback and I'm gonna take that back to my sponsor, my therapist. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about the boundaries that you need to have, because it's very overwhelming to me when you get really upset and angry. And so I want us to figure out what triggers you so that I can calm you down or have you calm down or have you be more aware of what triggers you so you can calm yourself down. How about that? A litany of foul language, but you trigger me. Your behavior triggered me. All of your past. I was not like this before you did. Right. I mean, I could go on. So you get the picture. Yes. Seeing your face triggers me. Listening to you. In other words, it doesn't matter what you say or do. It, 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 what Tammy said is true. The very fact that you exist and you have done what you've done to them is what triggers them. It isn't any particular thing. It could be this on Monday and this on Thursday. It's you, it's your having caused the pain. And until trust begins to really be re restored, they're gonna turn around and say, what do you mean I have the problem? You're the one who has the problem. I'm upset, look what you did to me. Although Tammy did a better job at that than I did. <laughs> oh, and like, I could tap into that We yeah. But we won't, <laughs> no. trust me. And, you know, and I did share before you got, I do know a couple of therapists and it's actually been, I thought it was interesting and helpful work where they talked to partners to explain what a three circle was. Is there anything that you want to avoid? Like, you know, completely focused. Like then you get a perspective on that, but like an addict going to a partner and saying, you ought to do this because this will help you. You know, that would not be helpful for Productive. our relationship. I want yeah. to say about both of the last two questions, something that Tammy and I have talked about before, which is, you know, uh, set a time. You know, we're going to talk mm -hmm. about this at mm -hmm. eight o'clock each night for 30 minutes and I'm going to have 15 and you're going to have 15 and then we'll have a little, you know, if you can structure it and put it in a place, you know, I'm not going to turn to you every five minutes and say, did you do this? Did you do that? Well, I, I mean, I will. But if I know that I just need to write that down and sit with you in the evening and go through that or tell you I freaking hate you, but the kids are sitting there. So maybe I better not say that right now. I'll tell you at eight o'clock. So I think just putting it at a time where it isn't coming at either one of you will make it easier uh, for both of you. So I'm, there's a really long one. I'm going to condense it. Um, so uh, it, they've been married 24 years, two children in their 60s. Started discovering things in 2015. So things have progressed. Um, doing middle circle behaviors. Yeah, I think I said that, no children. So um, they're, they're, this is middle circle behaviors. He did doghouse one and two this past spring. I hear the same lament. It's not as bad as you think. I thought I could control it. It doesn't feel like out of control like it has been in the past. 
So it sounds like minimizing to me. It's hard to stop thinking about. I have such a long way, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't see the deliberate deception and then has an aha moment, yet it takes days to get there. Tell the truth and tell it faster is not happening. Um, I know we are not who we masturbate to, yet the lying is the issue. He states he is attracted to men in a sexual way, yet not in an emotional way and does not know how to deal with the sexual compulsive erotic template. I'll do anything to save this marriage. And, he, he, and we have yet to have a disclosure. And he stated in his, um, the, the, let's see. So it's okay. At the it's end okay. Of this, I, I, I saw you got it. Yeah. So I know that relax um, is part of healing, you know, Whatever. So here's what I'd like so. to say. We are saving a bed for your spouse. So yes. I don't know who this person saw or where they went to treatment. Uh, I don't know what acknowledge means. Uh, I know what acknowledge means because I have 30 years of experience and I've written a whole bunch of books and run treatment centers. You have to understand about treatment centers. I'm going to go on a little rant now. It doesn't matter what their name is. It doesn't matter how great they are. What matters is who is doing the treatment in that moment. So if you have someone who's been with the organization two years and they're an intern, although you may be going to you know, the greatest institution in the world, you're being seen by someone who doesn't have a lot of experience and is just really starting out in the field because guess who, who wants and gets the jobs in the hospitals and the treatment centers? So having somebody who's done a lot of work for the long term, in other words, I don't know what this person has done well, or not he went done, to, but if he came to SI in 2020, so he's been okay. So he needs to come back. Years. He needs like, to come and back. I'm sorry now. about that. Well, well, we do the best we can, but right. um, but people have lifelong problems. Um, let me try to say it this way: I used to work with a uh, a man. I used to work for a very expensive treatment center, and people would go there and they'd spend lots of money and they would relapse. And I used to say to this gentleman, how is it that people can spend so much money in time here and they, re and they relapse? And he said, well, here's the good news. People relapse, but after they've done treatment, they tend to relapse less, less often and in less severe ways. So it doesn't make, we are not going to make it perfect, but we are going to hopefully lead people down the road of some kind of change. Um, let's go back. Lied to me, lied to counselors. You know, if someone comes in and lies to counselors, you know, it's very difficult to try to guide them in the right direction. What I'm concerned about here is you. I'm concerned about your mental health. I'm concerned about your emotional health. Um, I, I think actually what you said, given very specific tools to do with what if this happens again, is he doing them? Has he ever done them? I mean, if this is someone who came to treatment with us and they lied to us, right, and lied to you, and it's been, what, a year or two, um, and they're still lying, yeah. and they're still lying, right? And you can catch them lying. Then I'm not sure what any of this means for you. In other words, how can you as a spouse lean into something when it just keeps falling over every time you lean into it? And so, first of all, they're welcome to come back for a few weeks, and we will try to work with them since we know them already. But number two, I wonder if there's more, you know, if someone were to come back or work with someone else, I would really want to get much more evaluation of them. Do they have the capacity to be honest? Do they have the capacity? You know, some people are just broken and no matter what, they're not able to proceed. And so I feel like for me, if I worked with them, I got to know someone who didn't really reveal who they were to me. So how do I help them? How do you help them? How do you love them into healing with you when they're lying? So June 13th, June 13th, what was that, four or five days ago, whatever it was, you found a bottle of lube and he's lying to you and he's lying to his therapist and he's lying to his support group. Honestly, you know, this is time to get a locksmith 
This is time to say, mm-hmm. look, I, I hope, I wish you well. I hope you get better. You know, give me a certificate when you complete some other program. Um, this is someone who might need a polygraph. I mean, there's a lot of things, but there's compulsive lying here. There isn't just a, I did something I didn't want to tell you, or I told you the next day. I mean, this is years and years. So I guess what I'm kind of saying is I'm less hopeful about someone with a history like this than, and I'm talking what they did since therapy, since treatment. So I just wonder what you can do to take care of yourself because trying to support this person, look, I tried to support them, whoever they are, you tried to support them. Their therapist tried to support them. Their group tried to support them and they're lying to everybody. So to me, that is a very troubled person. It's more than just addiction. They have issues and I would really be protecting myself. Certainly I wouldn't be sleeping with them. Uh, in the same bed, and I'd rather they weren't in my house. Um, you know, this is only going to cause pain to you. And you, and Tammy would say this, I think, but I take a breath. You're looking for answers about him, and I think you've already gone to the wall for him. I want to know what answers you have for yourself. I am living in this very painful situation where I continue to be harmed, and no matter what I do, it doesn't get better. What can I do for me? I'm not trying to take the energy off of all the stuff that he's doing, but you can't help him. I can't help him. Nobody seems able to help him. But you see, so you've got to help yourself. And, um, you know, found blue blood. Anyway, I just think this is a very sad situation with a spouse who's clearly put an investment and time into trying to get this better. But at a certain point, um, you know, maybe you can't make it better. And then you really have to look at you. So. Uh, hey, Tammy, what you got? I only want to add in the 12-step books, it, we, it talks about there are some that are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And at the end of this, that's where I hear he is not able to be honest with himself, let alone anyone else. He's, you know, so I think he's lying to himself. Well, it's not as bad as it used to be. So therefore I'm okay. You know, so I agree a hundred percent with Dr. Rob, what do you need to do to take care of you? Um, you know, in, in all of this, you know, uh, uh, like, can you, can you see, cause you've got a long pattern. Can you see the next 20 years, you know, on the same, um, uh, hamster wheel of, you know, it's, so what do you need to do regardless of what he does or doesn't do to take care of you? And what would you do if someone you dearly love, like a sister or a best friend or someone or somebody's daughter came to you and said, this is what's happening to me. What advice would you give them? Uh, if you really cared about them, if you really cared about their welfare, what would you say to them? Um, I think it would be different than some of the questions you're asking. So anyway, sad story. Okay, so now pop up to the 501 and the answered. I do not think my husband is a sociopath. He's SA and has multiple physical affairs, emotional affairs, porn, cyber sex, abuse, keying, Darvo, blaming me, shaming me, lacked empathy, insulted me, et cetera. Would it be correct to say that he demonstrated a sociopathic behavior toward me? Is this the same person, do you think? No, this else. is a different, this is a different, I just, put, I put the three together okay. of the continued. So, yeah. Okay. So the first sentence, um, for whatever it's worth says, I do not think my, I'm guessing husband or partner, husband. whatever is associated. Right. Husband. Uh-huh. And what I would say to you is unless you're have a PhD in psychology and you do psychological testing, you just don't know what you're saying is I, I wish, I hope my husband's not a, a sociopath. I feel like he's not a sociopath, but 
there are tests and examinations and ways to actually figure that out. What's more concerning to me is all of it, you know, the way, especially the part of it, I get the addiction part. Okay. I'm an addict. I get it. But blaming you, shaming you, lacking empathy, insulting you. What if he was hitting you physically? Would that be it? So let's try this. I don't think my husband's a sociopath. He's a sex addict. He's had multiple affairs, emotional abuse, and once a week he smacks me across the face. Um, how would you look at that? Because the way you're talking, and I know I'm being a little maybe over the top, although I think Tammy would say no, because when you look at all of this, blaming me, shaming me, lacking empathy, insulting me, after you're the one who's been harmed, to me that is, uh, forget sociopath, abusive. He's very abusive. Um, not unlike domestic violence, only it's verbal and emotional abuse. And I don't think it's all that different. I've had women say to me, I wish he hit me, because at least then I could say that's what happened. But this constant blaming and shaming and, and insulting, and that's driving me insane. So I don't know sociopath or not. I've never met him or evaluated him. But what I will say is this is an abusive person who has a problem with their anger. Um, yeah, and, and without question, there's no humility. That's that's clear. You know, Tammy, I feel bad. We have all these really hurting spouses who are not just getting a little hurt. They're getting a lot hurt. Um, and that makes me sad watching this. Me too. But and I don't hear I mean, I hear he's an essay, right. but I don't hear he's doing and here's he's at least starting on the path. So like we said with the last one, what do you need to do to take care of you? And, you know, healthy boundaries. And I, I hear all the time from partners that go, oh, I can't hold a boundary. And I'm like, boundaries are for your safety, your physical safety, emotional safety, financial safety. What do you need to do? And they're not about, um, uh, they're not punitive. They're, I mean, it's not about you did this. And so they're, it's like, I need this. I value me enough that I'm setting this boundary for my safety. And, and I think if you can think of it that way is I need this for me. I need this for me um, because addicts are notoriously good at, you know, poking through it, you know, boundaries. So if this, then I need to withdraw myself. You need to, you know, you need to move out. You need to go to the other bedroom, whatever it is that you need for your safety. And they, they absolutely will test the boundary. So what do you need to do to prepare to hold that boundary? Okay, ready for the next one? Yes, ma'am. Okay, it's 504. So new to this betrayed partner with recent discovery, what happens if your non-negotiable boundary is no sexual contact with other women and your essay partner simply lies and hides it because they know if they admit it to a relapse, the marriage is likely over. How should one manage this and expect honesty? Well, let me say something that a lot of the spouses may not like, um, but here's the reality. If I tell you, if, if you tell me, if you do this again, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. And I did it because I had a slip and I'm an addict and I wish I hadn't, but that thing, those happen. Uh, it just happens. Um, why would I ever tell you? Because what you're telling me is if I, if I screw this up and I have to start again or I have to start working again, um, I'm going to caught in a situation where I either have to lie to you or I'm going to lose you because you've told me that. So what I say to partners, and I think this is the most important thing I could say, is if you say something, mean it. So if you have said to this person, if you do this again, I'm going to leave, then leave. <laughs> and I mean, pack your bag, because what this person is learning from you is, oh, 
they say they're going to leave, but they really don't. And so I can do what I want, and they're not going to follow through on their on what they said they were going to do. So I strongly advise all of you spouses to not say, if you do this again, I'm leaving you, unless that is what you're going to do. If you do this again, I'm going to feel like leaving you. You know, that's a whole different thing. Or I will think about leaving you, or I might go see a divorce lawyer. Great. But um, when you tell me that you're going to take this kind of action, I won't, I will lie to you because I don't want to be in that situation. So what I would, and let me explain this in a different way, explain this in a different way. When I've had spouses coming from a different place and saying, I'm going to be really angry and really hurt. And it's going to be a long time before trust is restored. If you have a slip and then I am your, and I, Tammy's my spouse. And I say to her, well, I got to tell you I had a slip last week. She's going to be furious. <laughs> She's going to be hurt. She might walk out. She might do all kinds of things. But there will be a little part in Tammy's brain that says, huh, he wasn't telling me about this before. And now he's coming and telling me. He's telling me things I wouldn't like to hear. But at least he is being honest. And isn't that, you know, I read your letters, ladies and gentlemen, when you write uh, when we're in treatment and you read a letter about what your life has been like with this person, I read your letters. We call them impact letters, and we bring you into the room in treatment. I have read hundreds and hundreds of impact letters, and I can tell you that 5 to 8% of most of them are about sex. And everything else in those letters is, I just want you to be honest with me. I just want you to be open with me. I just want to build a meaningful relationship. I just want to hear what's actually happening. So in this case, I would say I hate it. But thank goodness he's being honest. And if he keeps being honest, maybe we'll get to a place where I can make different decisions for myself or we can work forward and make this better. So that's my best uh, best response. Tammy, do you have a, a thought? Well, yeah, I do. And I'm so glad you're here. You said new to this. So, so, and it's a recent discovery. So this is all new and there are lots and lots of support um, options for you. So on sexandrelationshiphealing.com, there are multiple betrayed partner drop-in groups. Um, going on those groups and hearing from other betrayed partners and getting support, you know, for that. But but yeah, early in the process, it, it, he's he doesn't have the tools to not lie. Um, and and setting up what are his boundaries, he's accountable to his his sponsor, his therapist, whatever, you getting support from other betrayed partners will, will really help. I, you know, I promise. Um, I don't know what he's doing, just stopping the, the behavior, which clearly he's not there yet, um, but just stopping the behavior, that's addressing the symptom. You know, what is he doing? Is, you know, we've got dropping groups for male addicts. We've got the sex addiction 101. Um, we've got the out of the doghouse work groups. We have a treatment program. I mean, what, we're, you know, who is he working with? What is he doing on a daily basis to change things? Does he have a three circle plan that we mentioned earlier? So if he's not doing any of that and he just says, oh, I won't do it again, he will. He, he can't help himself. So what do you need to do to have healthy boundaries? There's podcasts and um, books also on um, the sex and relationship healing.com that you will find um, helpful on how to set healthy boundaries, what you need. But again, please, 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 you know, lean into the support with other betrayed partners. That's, I mean, it, it, yeah, there's nothing normal about this, but it helps to normalize. You're not alone and others are on the path and can help you know, support and guide you. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. There's nothing you did or didn't do. And you can't, you know, you, you, you set healthy boundaries for you. It's not to make him not do it because 
you can't you can't control that so okay next question i'm living with my spouse who has a poor emotional sobriety he has not created safety in our relationship either as he continues to be friends uh he went to prostitutes and massage parlors with oh i'm choosing to stay because i have a disabled son and need financial support what should this relationship look like how friendly should i be what boundaries do you recommend to protect myself that's a challenging question well first of all i'm really sorry about your challenges with your son and i hope and i'm sure with a lot of the parents who i work with who have these issues that he's a joy in your life regardless of his challenges and i i uh, i think you're a really good mom that's what i think um so you know this is a, a tough one tammy because you know i don't know this person's circumstances i mean is there family you could live with? You know, are there other people who love you, the two of you, that you could live with? I, I, I you know, this is one, like, do you stay in an abusive situation? Um, you know, I, and, and maybe I'll back up and say something about how I think about the world. Um, there are people who don't make a lot of money. And when they're married and have kids and one of them cheats, they can't do anything about it because he or she needs that income, they need that person working, they need somebody to watch over the kids, and they just have to figure out a way to survive and work through it. It's only people who have the resources that end up in therapy or treatment centers. I mean, we do our best to, to support as many as you as we can who are unable to come to therapy or treatment. But the bottom line is uh, how friendly you should be. It depends on what kind of relationship you have. You know, I if you can move to a, we are co-parenting and we're taking care of this child and whatever you do, I don't really care. You know, if you can move to a complete place of neutrality where, and I say this all the time, but the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And I think if you can get to a point where you can be indifferent about his emotional sobriety, um, his prostitute, you know, if you're just like, that's over there. And my job with him is to make sure our kid get taken care of. Um, that's the best thing you can do short of leaving is finding a way to emotionally dis distance yourself and co-parent without any expectations. Um, yeah, I mean, Tammy, this is a tough, sad, difficult situation. Oh, to add information, I didn't see it. Um, he goes to six Zoom SA meetings a week, has a CSAT, but continues to golf with these men and has lied many right. times. Um, I'm in Essanon and we Tonglen and CSAT. I'm choosing to stay. And, you know, we honor that, you, cho you, cho you choosing to stay, but what what you need to do for your emotional safety, physical safety, financial safety, um, you know, I, but yeah. And uh, Tammy, I remember this, this question has come up before. I think this person's been here before, I guess is because I, I recognize some of the um, story and, you know, you can't make people do what they're not willing to do at a certain point. You know, you have to focus on you and, uh, and this person has not changed your behavior in a long time from what I'm seeing. So anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Um, and yeah. how much does he well, care for it, your child if he's willing to put the two of you in this situation? Sorry, Tammy. Uh, no, that's okay. But I, I was talking to a therapist a few weeks ago and um, the, the comment was made um, by this therapist that, you know, there's no leverage, you know? And so the, the addict was, was kind of going like, yeah, you know, uh, it was a he and she, you know, well, she'll nag me a little bit. She'll be angry or whatever, but ultimately he still got to do what he wanted to do. So that's what I read with this. I'm still going to go, you know, golfing with my buddies. I'm going to still do all of these things, you know, and, and kind of, so what, but, but you're right. Emotionally immature and disconnected from, you know, from family 
you know, so I am, I'm sorry for you on that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.